0: Hello guys, my name is Aaron. I am one of the pastors here at Faith Church. Uh, I'm excited to be talking to you today. I love to see what God is teaching me and then what I can uh, share with you guys, what God has been showing me. Uh, but before we really get into it, I need to just kind of point something out. There's something that really just kind of like grinds my gears, right? Like I think all of us can probably just do, have a better life if we didn't have them, right? And that is ads, Right, commercials, infomercials, you're always like, there's one time out of the whole year that commercials are good, and that's on the Super Bowl. Of the 364 other days, they're interrupting you, they're in the wrong times, you know, you're, you're really excited about some show, or you're watching some, some sports thing, and all of a sudden, ads are popping up, and they're just like always interrupting you at the wrong time. And so it's like, what are we going to do with this? What, how, like, how are these ads? And so we're gonna see, hopefully, an ad right now. Are
1: you frustrated with hoses that kink and tangle? Sick of those expandable hoses that burst and leak? And those metal hoses that are supposed to be indestructible? Now, there's something better. Introducing the Flexilla, the 100% kink-free hose that's quite possibly the world's most durable, flexible, lightweight and virtually indestructible hose you'll ever own. Kink-Free Flexibility Secret is the patent-pending, leak-free, ball-bearing swivel grip that makes kinks and tangles a thing of the past. Traditional hoses tangle and kink, but the Flexzilla swivel grip rotates freely. No more tangles and no more kinks. You can take it all the way across the yard very easily. It doesn't kink. And the swivel grip is virtually indestructible. Flexilla is constructed with a revolutionary flexible hybrid polymer that combines super strength and extreme flexibility. And while other hoses fall apart in extreme temperatures, Flexzilla can withstand minus forty to a scorching one hundred forty degrees. While All right, others- okay,
0: stop the. Okay, so like, like you get it. You've seen this ad before. They do the same thing over and over. Your life sucks. It's no good because. Look at the hose that you have. Oh my goodness, why would you ever own that? All you have to do is buy Flexzilla. They don't even call it a hose, they call it Flexzilla. You have a traditional hose? Ugh, right? It's like, so there's three major parts we see with ads. First thing is there's something in your life that you're probably dissatisfied with, right? You have a traditional hose. How embarrassing, right? Like your neighbors are mocking you and you didn't even know it, okay? But all you have to do is buy this awesome hose and life is going to be great right like all of a sudden your family is going to be awesome all of a sudden like everything in your life is going to become perfect because you simply just bought our item dissatisfied with life buy some item and now you're happy that's all it takes but we all know that this isn't going to make us happy Right? It might make us happy for a moment, and we're like, yes, I have the Flexzilla, but it's not going to last very long. Like, can it really work in 140-degree weather? Isn't, like, just everything melting at that point? Like, come on, right? But the crazy thing is, we still go and buy the things, right? We still go out there. Actually, this is, like, an actual study, and they call this retail Therapy. And it's, they say that 60% of people buy things just to make themselves feel happy. So not you, but probably your neighbor, right? Okay, I got you. Right? And so, like, why? Why would we go out and buy something this dumb? Right? Exactly. And that's why I went out and bought one. <laughs> this thing is amazing. <laughs> it's a Flexzilla. You can kink it up, and it just, it's like the patent-pending twist. Like, this is the real deal. Like, I'm not even getting paid to say this, but for $39.95, you could. I'm just saying. You could buy one, you know. Uh, I went with a 25-footer. I didn't want to go crazy with a 70-footer, but, you know, you can do whatever you want. But what I like, I'm going to call this today, we're going to refer to this, this cycle of discontent, all right? The cycle of discontent. You're dissatisfied. With something in your life, all I have to do is buy something or do some quick fix for my life, and everything's going to be good for a moment. Everything's going to be happy, but just temporarily. The cycle of discontent. Now, why does this work so well? Why do we like these ads, and why do we buy this junk It's because we all have things in our life that we're dissatisfied with, right? We all have circumstances in our lives that we wish we could just change. And if all I had to do was pay $39.95 and I would be happy again, like, wouldn't we do that? And that's often what we try to do. But we're all, we all have things in our lives that we're not satisfied with. Like for myself, right, like my car is breaking down. I just got a letter that my rent is going up, right? Like, my hair is falling out. And actually, right before I got, like, stood up here, one of the the teens said, Aaron, your hair kind of looks like a clown today. I was like, thanks. Thanks for that one. So I got that there, too. And that's probably not helping. The fourth one is that I'm single still. Like, I'm still single. Like, there are some things in my life that I wish were a little different. If you would have asked 18-year-old Aaron, Hey, what's 31 gonna look like? I would not have said those four things, right? Okay, definitely, supermodel was involved in there and money and stuff, but it, it hasn't happened yet, so we're still praying, okay? But maybe we can edit that out afterwards. <laughs> Derek isn't here, so we could go anywhere today. All right, so, uh, but okay, so I have dissatisfactions with my life, but I'm guessing you do too right? There's things in your life that you're dissatisfied with. Either at work, some coworker that you're dealing with, or some boss that you have to deal with. Maybe there's just something in your life. Some, some struggle, some sickness, some, some tragedy, tragedy. Or maybe there's something even out of your control that you can't change. That you wish you could do everything to change that circumstance, But but you know you can't. Dissatisfaction and wishing that our circumstances were different is just a part of being human, sadly. But I don't think God wants us stuck in this cycle of discontent. God doesn't want us to be just trying to find the quick fix so that we're happy for a little while. Now, there's one guy that we're going to be looking at in the Bible. We've been going through the book of Philippians, and the guy who wrote this is named Paul. And we know that as we've studied the book of Philippians, that Paul is actually in prison while he's writing this. So you think that a guy who would be dissatisfied with where he's at in life is someone sitting in prison. But that's not the case. Paul tells us that he is okay, that he is content in circumstances, and it's almost like we would go, okay, Paul, I know you're saying that, but come on, you don't really, like, that's unbelievable, right? Like, I get mad when the Starbucks line is too long, right? This guy's sitting in jail, chained to a guard 24-7. He's like, I'm okay. Like, come on, Paul, really? You're not that cool, right? And he's like, but we're gonna look at, the, at what Paul has to say, and we're gonna look at Paul's life And we're going to see what he says is the secret to being content despite his circumstances. So turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. And again, while you turn there, I want to remind you that this is a letter written back to the church in Philippi. So Paul had probably received a letter and received some money, and now he's writing them at the end of his letter saying, hey, thank you, but it's probably been quite some time since he's heard from them. So Philippians 4, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to like share it with him. Now that I'm speaking of being in need... For I have learned, in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What I love, and what is so interesting, is the opening line, is that he says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. Right, So he received this letter, he probably received some funds as well, because then they would have to pay everything, like if you want a good meal, you would have to pay, so you'd have to get support from other people. And so he's like super excited, but he wants them to know that he was rejoicing in the Lord. And what's interesting is in the book of Philippians, in this letter, he writes about rejoicing and joy 12 times. It's not just like a one-time, like, oh hey guys, rejoice, be joyful. It's over and over again. Last week, Derek talked about this again. So if you didn't hear last week's sermon, you can go online and check it out there. But he talks about this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, or, and I again will again I will say, rejoice. Right? Rejoice is what Paul is all about. Because it is in the Lord. Joy for Paul isn't something that is just because of the circumstances, right? When you have a good hair day, you're feeling good about yourself. You're like, yes, this is going to be a good one. I haven't had that in a while. And so, right, like you have a bad hair day and you put a hat on, right? And you're like, oh, okay, it's not going to be a great. Or maybe there's something that happens in your life and you're like, hey, things are going good. I haven't had any problems. Kids are listening to me. Like, they're doing everything. Things are good. And then next week, things are bad because the kids are jerks. Like, what are they doing? Right? And it's like, we have this kind of ups and downs. But this joy that Paul has is a deep contentment. It's a peace and happiness it's found in the Lord and it's found in the Lord because it's based on trust in God on understanding who God is and what God has already done for us right God loves you so much that he was willing to send his son to die as a sacrifice for our mistakes and that whoever believes whoever trusts fully in him he says you will have a relationship with me and you will have eternal life with me now if that doesn't get you excited right if that just alone realizing how much god loves us that he sent his son to die for us so that we can have a relationship with him if that doesn't get you excited like when i come back from spain let's go out to coffee because i don't think you fully understand what god has done that we have moved from death to into life because of what God has already done. And Paul understands this. Paul knows this, and that is what is bringing him joy no matter what circumstances he's in. The Lord is the source of Paul's joy. Is the Lord the source of our joy? Or is our joy found in our stuff, in our titles, in our families, when things are going good, in our paychecks? Or do we go, man, you know what? No matter what, I know that the Lord, that God loves me and cares about me. Because that is central. And that's the start of the secret that Paul is showing with us today. Now, Paul is grateful to the Philippians for sending them support. But he wants them to know, he wants to make it very clear that it's not because of the money or the letter that he's happy and rejoicing. So look again, I'm going to read it again, verses 11 through 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and here's the secret: I can do all things through Him, God, Jesus, who strengthens me. Paul is looking to the Lord, and he knows that God is giving him strength. But what does Contentment need, right? What does it mean to be content in Christ? I, as I'm writing these talks and teachings and stuff, I talk a lot with my brothers about like what I'm saying and making sure it sounds okay and it's not like horribly bad. And so uh, last week I was like, "Hey, what do you think about this, bro?" And he's like, "I don't even know really what content means." So we're gonna talk about it here. What does it mean to be content in Christ? These are two big things. If you have a pen and paper, write these down. An inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being in a right relationship with God and knowing that God is in control of all that happens. Contentment in Christ, no matter what happens to us or what others do to us, we have a steady assurance that the Lord is for us and God will not abandon us. Right? We must remember these things, these big key things that God's in control, that the Lord is for us, that He won't abandon us, that there's an inner sense of rest and peace that we can have in life. And we might know this, and we might like, okay, I know that, that sounds good. I've read the Bible, I've heard people say these things. But what's interesting is when life gets crazy, when life gets difficult, We kind of like forget everything, right? But Paul says that he's learned this, that he's taken time to learn this, to be content in all situation, right? It's something that he's actually learning. And it's not something that he does on his own, right? It's not like I figured it out through my own situation or I can become uh, better through something that I do, right? That's kind of the American way. Right? Like, oh, you're you're doing something bad or something bad's happened. Just pull yourselves up. Come on, come on, like walk it off. You got this. Just get yourself out of that situation. Just try harder. Just work more hours. And you'll, you'll, you'll get there. Things will become better. Paul makes it clear. He says that he's totally dependent upon Christ. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And how does Paul learn this? It's not just one day he prays for it and all of a sudden he gets it. It's that he's practiced it over and over again. He's learned about it, but then he's also living it out in his situations. I tell this to our teens all the time. I say that to have faith is both believing in God, but then also living it out, having devotion to God. So, we can't just sit in a room and learn about it. We actually have to go and live it. If I want to become a better runner, I can't just sit and watch YouTube videos about people who run well. I have to get up off the chair and go and run. And Paul has learned how to be content in need and in abundance because both of those have challenges in our lives, both of those have temptations. For us. In times of need, we are tempted to move our eyes off of God and move it on to our worry. Move it on to our circumstances. Right? Like things get stressful. We're looking at God. Things get stressful. And then all of a sudden we go, ah, okay, I'm I'm, I'm more worried about my circumstance than I am focused on God. And that's when we need a heart that trusts God. But what about the other time in abundance, when things are going well. We often forget that we need the Lord. We go, man, I've done everything by myself. I have everything on my own. Look at all this stuff. Look at all these things. Like, I don't even need God. And this is probably where we fall into. Because we got everything. We got what we need. But we need to remember to have a thankful heart that God provides that God is the one who's taking care of us. So when Paul is in need, or when Paul is in abundance, he's not acting as though he's above his circumstances. He's not saying like, oh, these are below me, or these are like, I don't really care about them. But in the midst of his circumstance, he's trusting in God. In the midst of what he's dealing with, he's putting his trust And God, he is Christ-dependent. Now, how I see this played out in our lives is not so much that we're dependent on Christ all the time, but it's this. I'm going to read this because this is a big term. Uh, There's this thing, if you want to Google it, it's called moralistic therapeutic deism. And it's kind of what, if you say like you're a Christian in the world in America today, this is probably what you believe. It's kind of like, Uh, I don't really need God. He just wants me to be happy. Everyone goes to heaven. And there's another one that's this, another point to it. It says, God does not need to be involved in my life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. I don't really need God unless I have a problem and then I'm going to come to him and he better do what I say. I tell this to our teens. I say, this is genie God. right? Like We just want to rub the lamp and God's going to fix it. And when he doesn't, We go, well, how can I trust God anyways? Why isn't God helping me in this situation? But then when God does, we go, oh, man, look how good I am. I got this connection with God. But this is still a cycle of discontent. Instead of a hose being that thing that we go, oh, I'm dissatisfied. I buy the hose. My life is better. We go, I'm dissatisfied. God better do what I want, and then I'll be happy. But that same thing is still just temporary happiness until the next bad thing comes along and we go, I'm dissatisfied, now I need Jesus, and then I'll be content for a moment. That's not what God has for our lives. That's not what God has for your life. God wants us to get out of that cycle of discontent. He doesn't want us to go through highs and lows. But joy and rejoicing should be a characteristic of Christians. We should know what God has done for us. We should know how much God loves us and that should bring us joy and rejoicing in all things. 1 Thessalonians says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. It's something that should be growing in us. As we practice it, it's something that we should be working towards. Right? It's not just one day we get it, but just like when you go to practice any skill, it's something we work at. For me, last week, has been super crazy. I felt like i have been pulled in kind of every direction. I just have a lot on my plate. Um, if you didn't know, we're searching for a new uh, worship leader and pastor. That's been a big thing. We launched off this middle school thing that happened last Wednesday where we're doing sixth, seventh, and eighth graders together and having new leaders and everyone involved, and that's been awesome but super busy. Then I'm preaching today. That's been crazy. And I'm headed to Spain on Thursday, that's another thing. And then, like, something else was thrown into my life that I was just, like, not even preparing for. And one night, last week, I was laying there. I, was just, I couldn't sleep. I was sweating because it was, like, whoever knows how hot it was outside. And I was just, just, like, what is going on? Like, my head was just spinning and spinning. And then all of a sudden, I was like, Aaron, what has God been teaching you? Like, why... Are you preaching this week about these verses? And it's like, man, I can be content in this circumstance because I know that God is going to strengthen me to do what God has called me to do. Right? Like, No matter what we are going through, we have that ability to remember that. And so can I change the busyness? Can I change all the things? No, but what I can do is slow down and remember who God is in my life. Oh, there's a quote here I want to read. This, this is a good quote. Uh, this guy, Alex. Alec, He says, no circumstance could ever arise which be too much for Paul's God. And therefore, no circumstance could ever beat Paul. Because we are empowered by God. That God is in our lives. Now, I need to take a second. And this is kind of, kind of be my ad in the middle of this. We have to talk about two things real quick. Number one, Philippians 4, verse 13, is probably one of the most verses pulled out of context in the Bible. All right? What we like to do with this verse is read it. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Most of the time, you'll hear this if you go to, like, a Christian school and they have a sports team, they got this somewhere, right? And they go, you know what, we're going to win this game because Christ gives us the strength to beat those guys, right? And you're like, yeah, we are, and God's on our side. You're just hoping that the other team isn't saying the same thing, right? Like, you never thought about that one, okay? Like, oh, snap, all right? Like, hopefully they don't pray better than us, okay? It's like, we usually take it, like, and say, instead of, I can do all things through God who strengthens me. It's like we change it to I can do anything and everything that I want because God is going to have to give me the strength. Or maybe it's like uh, this, like you've, um, oh, you want this new job promotion, right? Or you want to make more money. Or there's some dream that's so big in your life and you just think, Man, well, God's going to give me this thing no matter what because he's going to give me anything and everything that I want. And so what happens there when we read this verse, it's easy to pull it out of context and make it say what we want it to say. I had a professor in school that said, he always would say, like, I can make the Bible say whatever I want it to. Like, if I have some idea or some thought, I can find verses to make sure my point is put across. So what we need to do when we read our Bibles is watch for context. Okay, There's four quick things that I want you to look at here that context is key. And so what's that mean for us? First and foremost, we need to make sure we know what it says. What's the What it says? The verses in our Bibles, what's the literal meaning for it? Right, what does it actually say? Number two, what's the historical setting? Who was writing the book? Right? We know that Paul wrote this. Who was he writing it to? We know that Paul was writing this to the church at Philippi. What was happening during that time? We know that Paul is in prison while he's writing this. So we know some of the things that are happening. Another thing, uh, look at the verses around it. right? If anyone ever comes to you and says, Hey, did you read this in the Bible? And they quote one verse, you go like, Whoa, buddy, what's it say around it? What do the verses around it say? What do the pages around it say? How does it relate to the whole story of the Bible? And then fourth, the fourth big thing is compare it with other scriptures. Make sure that you're not just pulling one scripture out and saying, oh, this is what I think it says. But other verses are kind of saying the opposite. right? Like we see here in this verse, but we also saw in 1 Thessalonians, it says rejoice always. So when we read our Bibles... We need to make sure we know the context. We need to make sure we know what we're reading, what's happening, and not just kind of pick and choose the verses we like. And then when we find verses we don't like, we kind of just go like, ah, those are for someone else. Like, I don't really like that it says, uh, love my neighbors. I don't really like that it says, serve the least of these. I like that God loves me. I like best stuff, and I'm going to listen to it. So what we really need to be careful was making sure we're looking at verses in the Bible in context. Another big thing that we need to look at is that contentment doesn't mean complacency. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we could take this as just like, whatever your situation is, you just have to deal with it. Because that's what God says. Be content in that circumstance. The Bible actually shares a lot about how we can... Go and work hard and better our situations. Right? We can go. There's nothing wrong with if you're in a job and you're like, I don't think this is for me. This is not right. To go out and to maybe go back to school or try to find something that's better. But what we have to be careful about is also making sure our eyes stay focused on God through all of that. That the reasoning behind us changing our jobs is not just like greed but that we're listening and following God's leading in our lives. So we can, like, try to strive to do better in what our situations are, as long as, again, our eyes are focused on Christ. Now, as followers of Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with God. If you say, I am a follower of Jesus, then God is in your life. And that is all we need to experience the peace and joy that Paul speaks of. I'm guessing that right now in your life, you're either in a really hard spot. Or maybe you just felt like you just got out of something really challenging. Or maybe right now you feel like, hey, you know what, I'm pretty good. Well, just wait a moment because you'll probably get into a circumstance that is challenging in your life. But what I want us to remember is this secret that Paul shares with us. You have everything you need in Christ. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So if you feel like you lack content, if you feel like you lack this joy and peace, that Paul enjoyed and demonstrated, it's not because you're not good enough. It's not because you need to do more things. What it is, is we need to put our eyes on to Christ and not our circumstances. That we're too focused on ourselves and our world instead of God. The longer we watch Jesus and listen to Jesus, and observe Jesus' character, the more we're captivated by who he is. And the less fascinated we come become with ourselves. The more we are looking towards God, the less hopefully we care about ourselves and our stuff. And we realize that no matter the situation, we can be content because life circumstances do not control us. That's not what controls us. We live in God. We are Christ-dependent. We are satisfied by Christ, and we are filled by Christ. And that's what makes contentment in all situations possible. That's what gives us peace and joy and happiness no matter what situation we're going through either abundance or in need. Let's pray. As I pray, the band's going to come up too as well. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love and your care. That you love us so much that you sent your son to die for our mistakes. And all you ask is, For us to believe in you. And Lord, I pray that we understand what that means and how amazing that is for our lives. And if we start to remember that and focus on you, no matter what situation we are going through, we can move from a cycle of discontent to peace and joy. Through all things. Because we know you have control. Lord we love you. Lord we do this to glorify you. In all that we do. Lord I pray. That we don't just talk about it in this room. And learn these things. But that we go and live for you. No matter what situation we're in. In your holy and precious name. Amen.